there! Thanks for listening to the Elevate Christian Church podcast. We exist as a church to connect people with God and each other. Today's message comes to us from our lead minister and preacher, Kevin Barton. We hope this inspires you, grows you, and challenges you in your faith and your walk with Jesus. Enjoy! There's an old story that, that kind of goes like this. Two old men uh, were riding a tandem bicycle, and they were going up a steep hill. And after much struggle and much toil and much effort, they finally made it to the top of the hill. They were both out of breath, and, and the guy in the, was, that was in the front said, man, that was a tough ride. And the second rider replied, it sure was, and if I hadn't kept the brake on, we would have slipped backwards down the hill. Do you ever feel like you're barely moving forward in your walk with the Lord? Or, or, or even worse, do you ever feel like you're slipping backwards in your relationship with God? Do you feel like everything concerning the Lord is an uphill battle? Do you struggle with focus? Do you find yourself constantly being tempted and feeling trapped? Are you dissatisfied in your holiness? Or, or do you find it difficult in even knowing how to please the Lord? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then the series that we're starting today is just for you. We're starting a brand new series entitled The War Within. And this is going to be, uh, as we get started here, this is going to be one of those open-ended series. Uh, it may be three weeks, it may be six weeks, it may be, it may be nine weeks. We're just going to stay in it until the Holy Spirit tells us to move out of it. And so for the next several weeks, we're, we're going to do a study on the battle that we all have inside of us. The battle between our flesh and the spirit. As you well know, I, I am coming off of uh, a, an extended sabbatical. Uh, it's, a sabbatical is something that, that a lot of pastors do. Here at Elevate Christian Church, we value it so much that all of our staff members every fourth year um, are required uh, to go on a sabbatical because uh, we're just like you. We're running, we're burning the candle at both ends. Uh, we're always busy. There's always a problem to solve. There's always something to do. But we also have another layer of that, this immense spiritual warfare that goes on where we're inter intertwined with broken marriages and addiction and counseling people and helping people. So we always uh, encourage our staff to, to take a sabbatical. And so uh, I just came off of that and uh, I just want to kind of give you some insight. Uh, before I went on this particular sabbatical, uh, I was empty. I was more depleted than I've ever been uh, in, in my ministry here at Elevate Christian Church. I mean, I was uh, broken. Uh, I was discouraged. Uh, I was just empty, man. And most of it revolved not around people, not around pouring myself into people. Most of it revolved around what I'm doing right now, preaching. Um, I have always in my life... Uh, felt like God has spoken to me and it, sermons and material and, and studies and direction have, have always just kind of flowed out of me, uh, but I, 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 it wasn't happening. 
And so for the last six months, I would pray to God. I would plead to God. I would ask God, what's wrong? What am I doing wrong? I just feel like you're not speaking to me. And I was preaching to you from the flesh. I was preaching to you just things that I had to come up with uh, aside from the Holy Spirit of God. And that bothered me immensely. And so one of the purposes... One of the things I wanted to accomplish on this sabbatical was is, is have God give me an answer. What am I doing wrong? What, what, why is this happening? What, what's going on? And so uh, I went into that with that prayer, thinking that God would give me an immediate answer. Um, so our sabbatical started on the, the first day, uh, was the day we closed on our new house. Um, last year, we decided as a family that uh, we weren't particularly thrilled with subdivision living anymore. Um, we just wanted some elbow room, uh, but we could not afford to have elbow room in Paulding or Cobb County. And so we asked the Lord to lead us just across the county line. We didn't care which county um, because we, uh, you know, we wanted to be able to have some uh, room to spread out. The other thing we knew is that when we found property uh, with a house, it was probably going to be an older house that required some work, uh, kind of a beat-up fixer-upper, if you will. And so um, December 3rd was when my sabbatical started, and that's when we closed on our house. Um, and, and without divulging too much detail, it was super contentious. It did not go swimmingly at all. Uh, there, was a, there was just a, a lot of, of, of just terrible things that happened. Um, and we finally got through closing, and we were supposed to move in uh, you know, that evening, and, and that didn't happen. And uh, we were supposed to move in the next morning, and that didn't happen. And so we basically camped out in the front yard uh, until they got everything out. And by the time we got moved in and got the bed set up, it was midnight. Well, 7 o'clock in the morning, my dad rolls in from Virginia. He had been driving all night, and it was time to renovate. And so we began, my dad and I, this renovation project, and we knew the house was in bad shape. Uh, we, we, that's why we could afford to buy it. Uh, but we didn't know it was in terrible shape. And so uh, some of you have experienced this. You get in there uh, and you start trying to do projects and you peel back and you find out that this is rotten and that's rotten. And we went from having to replace a few pieces of subfloor to having to have the house jacked up and rotten joists replaced and things leveled and, and the dollar signs just started adding up and adding up and like first week of my sabbatical, I promise you, I nearly had a nervous breakdown because I, all I could see was, what, what, am I, what are we going to do here? Uh, I, I'm, I'm out here and uh, we're, we're, we're sharing one bathroom, all seven of us. We have no way to do our laundry. Half the house is rotten. My, I'm going broke and, and I, I was over my head. Okay, And so I come off of feeling like this writer's block and empty into that. And the whole time, man, I am just a wreck and I'm pleading with God. What is going on here? He decided to wait to answer me until after my sabbatical was over. He answered me on Christmas Day. Uh, I'll, never, I'll never forget it. It was a, it was a beautiful moment. 
Uh, it was down by this old barn that we, that we own that's full of, if you want some junk, come get it. I've got a whole barn full of it. Just junk. And, you know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm telling God, like, look, I've got to get back. I'm getting ready to go back to church. I'm getting ready to go back to work. I still feel like, you know, I feel like I, I'm in the same place. What's going on? And then I just stopped and I listened. In an unmistakable voice, God told me this. The reason you're struggling is because your flesh is winning. You're living in the flesh. Now let me just pause right here when I say that. Whenever you say that, that a person's living in the flesh, our minds automatically go way further than they should, right? So I wasn't smoking meth or having an affair on Lindy. I wasn't like sinning like that. But I was living in the flesh and I could tell because I had constant murmuring and complaining and griping and this isn't fair and why, why, why did you lead me here, right? I was living in the flesh. And so I spent a significant amount of time over the Christmas and New Year's holiday just praying and reading and studying about our flesh. I'm going to tell you something, man, my eyes were open because the Bible talks about this battle that we all have. And it is the battle of our lives. It's the battle between our flesh and the spirit of God that lives in us. And it seems to be constant and unrelenting and it never gives up and it never ends and it never goes away. And it's a battle that we all go through. When our flesh takes over and attempts to crowd out the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. And so Paul writes about this battle in the book of Galatians. Um, in the text that we're going to land in today, Paul is describing this great immense battle between the spirit and the flesh. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go... Uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Today, and I, I'm going to tell you, we're going to spend weeks here in this. Today, we're just going to do a, kind of an overview to introduce the subject. But here's what Paul writes about this, this battle. Verse 16, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Don't miss this. They are opposed to each other. And when you kind of look this up in the original language, the word picture you get here is, is that they are at war with each other. Now, why is your flesh and the spirit of God that lives in you, why are they at war with each other? Well, Paul answers in the next verse. To keep you from doing the things you want to. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Like I said, we're going to spend weeks in this verse. Today is, is an overview. And today what I want you to understand is that Paul is giving us a picture into this great battle that rages in our hearts. This battle between our flesh. Now when I say flesh, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our senses. There's a biblical word called sensuality, all right? And so the flesh encompasses things that bring us pleasure through our senses. So things that we see that can bring us pleasure, things that we hear, things that we taste, things that we feel. 
those things are in direct opposition with the Holy Spirit of God that lives inside of us. All right, so just, just let me back up and, and review from, from last year. Uh, we, we learned this. All of us were born with a body. We all have physical bodies, and we know the older we get that those physical bodies don't last. They, they, they have a shelf life. Your flesh um, has a beginning and an end. So we're all born alive with bodies. We are also all born with a spirit, but the spirit is dead inside of us. So you're born with a, a body and you're born with a dead spirit, all right? And what happens is when we accept Jesus and when his blood is applied to our lives, the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and raises to life that dead spirit that lives in us. All right, 1 Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 3.18. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Now don't miss this. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes in and raises our dead spirit. That's why, if you remember, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about being born again, he says this in, in John 3, 5, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of the water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay, so the Holy Spirit comes in, raises our spirit, and begins to take up residence inside of us. Now, Here's what happens. Here's where the struggle is. Here's why we know what's right, but we still do what's wrong. Here's where the battle begins. Because the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, and He raises our spirit to life, and our flesh does not like it one bit. And so a turf war ensues. So, so those of you uh, who are cat owners, I'll pray for you. Uh, those of you who own cats, I'm just no, I'm not kidding. But those of you who own cats, let, let's say you, you have a cat that lives in your house. All right, the cat's been there for years. The cat's established there. It's, it's his or her residence. It's their territory. It's their turf. All right, and then you get the idea, you know what? I'm going to go down to the animal shelter or to PetSmart, and I'm going to, to adopt a, another cat. Okay, and so you do that, and you bring that cat home, all right, and the cat that's already established and the cat that already lives there sees that cat and a turf war ensues, right? They begin to look at each other, all right, and then they begin to circle each other, and then they make those god-awful noises, like the growl from inside that only cats can make, and then they begin to hiss at each other, and before you know it, it's an all-out free-for-all. Because the cat that was there says, no, 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 this is my residence, this is my turf, this is my kingdom, what are you? doing here. The exact same thing happens with inside every one of us. Our flesh has been ruling. Our flesh says, no, 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 this is my house. This is my residence. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and the flesh doesn't like it. And so the Holy Spirit and the flesh are in a turf war and they wage war against each other. This is what Paul is talking about 
in Galatians 5.17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And I, I think everybody in here can identify with this, right? We, we can literally feel the battle going on inside of us during periods of our life. The push and the pull. It's just a constant push and pull between our flesh and our spirit. Between our old nature and our new nature. Our old nature is the nature of the flesh. So if, if you're looking for a theological word, it would be sinful Adamic nature. We're all born uh, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Uh, we're all born from a fallen human race. We're, we're all broken. We're all born with a propensity to want to, to fill our desires into sin. Now, I'm not talking about original sin here. I'm not talking about the fact that if a little infant baby dies they're, they're, and, and they're not blessed by a priest or baptized, they're going to hell. No, no, no. I'm talking about the, 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 that all of us at some point come to the reality at some stage in our life when we know what the right thing is to do, but we do wrong. Okay, we all have that built in us. That's the old nature. I want to rattle off just a few scriptures real quick. Uh, they're not going to come up on the screen, but I just want you to, to, to see the theme of this old nature that we used to have. Ephesians 4.22, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance to the lusts of the flesh. Or Romans 6.6, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, that we are no longer slaves to sin. So we died in our old sin, our old life is, is nailed to the cross with Jesus. We have, we have the propensity to want to go back and take it off the cross and play with it a little bit, don't we? Galatians 3.9, do not lie to one another since you laid aside your old self and its evil practices. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away, and behold, new things have come. You see, he's talking about our old life. Our flesh is ruled by the prince of the air. Our flesh is ruled by the devil. And listen, our flesh is a mean cat. It is territorial. When somebody comes in like the Holy Spirit, it's not going to stop trying to recapture or damage our heart because it doesn't want the Holy Spirit in there. And the war rages. And we can feel it, man. We can see it raging in other people. We can see it in ourselves. It's a constant war. Now, one of the most tragic elements of warfare is the event of collateral damage, right? So often in military operations, civilians are caught in the crossfire. All right, sometimes one side, normally the weaker side, the losing side, they will deliberately put innocent people in harm's way in order to defend itself. So, so think Palestine, think Iraq, think Afghanistan, where the weaker side is the, is the Taliban, but they use women and children and put bombs on them and have them run into crowds of soldiers. That's collateral damage. Every single one of us in here is smack dab in the middle of the battlefield. And the weaker force, our flesh, wages war against the spirit. 
And although our flesh is a defeated foe, it knows it's temporary, it knows it's going to lose, it will attempt to do as much damage as possible against the stronger force of the Holy Spirit, including putting other innocent people in the way. And that's why people get hurt because of our sin. And so the very first step to not finding ourselves caught in the crossfire of this battle is to realize and to acknowledge that this is a real battle. That this is a raging battle in every single one of us. That inside of us, we have this constant struggle of our own nature clawing back. It just can't help to fight no matter who it hurts, right? So there's this old Russian fable uh, and it's called the scorpion and the frog. There's many different versions of it, but it goes, the gist of it is, is this. There was this scorpion that lived in the woods and it wanted to leave the forest and it wanted to explore the world. And so leaving its home for the first time, it, it hiked and it found itself upon the banks of a raging river. But, but the scorpion couldn't swim. So spotting a frog, the, the scorpion asked the frog to carry it on its back. The frog initially said no, fearing that the scorpion might sting it. But the scorpion reasoned with the frog saying, hey, I'm not going to sting you because if I sting you, we're both going to drown. Well, that argument seemed sensible to the frog. And so he agreed to transport the scorpion across the river. He began swimming with the scorpion on his back. But halfway across the river, the scorpion stung the frog anyway. The dying frog cried out, you idiot, why did you do that? Now we're both going to drown. To which the scorpion replied, I'm sorry, it's just my nature. We have that very nature inside of us every day. Our flesh, the sinful Adamic nature, and it doesn't care who you hurt who you betray, including the Lord, it just has a nature to it. And this flesh is constantly fighting the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. Now, as I already said, our flesh knows it's dying. Your flesh knows the Spirit is now living. And it's doing everything it can to bring about your demise. It is, in every sense, a literal war over your very soul. It doesn't care if it lives or dies. It knows its fate. And this is a war that we all have raging inside of us. And the stakes couldn't be any higher and the rewards couldn't be any greater. But it is a constant struggle, is it not? Constant. The Apostle Paul talks about this in grave detail. I want to take you to Romans 7 uh, for a minute where Paul's talking about this, this battle. And for many of us, this might be our life right here, which is a constant battle. Here's what Paul says. For I do not, in Romans 7, 15 through 20, if you're taking notes. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Let me just pause for a second. I do uh, an incredible amount of counseling uh, for men and women who are addicted to pornography. They've, they, somewhere along the way, they've, they've, just, they've just got addicted. And verbatim, I hear the same thing. 
I, I, I don't know why I do it. Uh, I fight against it. Uh, but before I know it, I find myself on my phone or at my computer in these images. And before I know it, I'm down a slippery slope. I hate it, but I cannot stop doing it. I counsel people who have, who have been strung out on methamphetamines. And, and, the, and the story is very similar. I, I hate it. I've, I lost my career over this. I lost my family over this. I, I've lost all my friends over this. I've lost my health over this. I've lost everything over this. But I, I hate it. But I can't stop doing it. I just can't help it. Paul says, I don't understand. For, 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 for I do what, what I want, but, but the very thing I hate. I don't do what I want, but the very thing I hate. Verse 16, then he says, Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that's good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know, now here, here's the money phrase, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Nothing about our flesh is good. Nothing. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You know what Paul just said here? He said, I can't white knuckle my way through this. I can't just use the law as my compass saying, well, I keep these commandments. I'm just white knuckling my way. He says, every time I do that, I fail. Verse 19. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Man, I, I think there are so many people that can identify with this right here. I think there are so many of you that can say, yes, I, I get it. The struggle is real. It's this battle within us to want to please God while at the same time gratifying these desires of the flesh. Paul faced it, I face it, you face it. It's a constant back and forth, right? Okay, so now here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a turn so sharp, you're going to think that I'm starting a new series from this series, all right? But I'm going to try to tie this together. Uh, I'm going to take you to Exodus 14 in the Old Testament in just a minute. But let me just set up what's going on here. Exodus 14, God's people, the Israelites, have found themselves enslaved by the Egyptians, all right? The whole nation is enslaved, all right? and they're, and they're, they're bartering, bartering for their freedom, and Pharaoh's not having anything, and God sends these plagues, and Pharaoh won't relent. Well, finally, Pharaoh says, I've had enough. Get your people out of here, okay? And so God says, all right, pack up, but don't just pack your things. I want you to pillage the Egyptians. Take all their gold. Take everything that's valuable. Just take it all, and, and they just let them do it, right? And so in Exodus 14, they're marching out of Egypt. And, you know, it had to be a celebration, I would think. Uh, they've never been free, and now they're free. Uh, and everything's good until they get to the beach. And they get to the beach, they see the Red Sea. And there's like a head scratch, so they're kind of going, well, what are we going to do here? And maybe take about a couple years and build some boats. or You know, they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. All right, and then somebody hears behind them chariots, and they look, and they see the Egyptian army is coming. 
Okay, so they have the Red Sea in front of them. They have the Egyptian army behind them. All right, and here's what they did. Their flesh took over. They only focused on what they could see. They only focused in the on the obstacles in their way. They only focused on the problem. We've got the sea. We've got an angry army. We're trapped. So listen to what they said to Moses. If this isn't speaking from the flesh, what they said, nothing is. Here's what they said. Verse 11 of Exodus 14. They said to Moses... It's because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. I see what you're doing, Moses. You must be working with the Egyptians. You brought us out here, and now we, they don't have to, to make any graves. They can just slaughter us and dump us in the sea. They continued, What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So here's what they said to, to Moses. We would have rather died captured slave or lived as captured slaves than be free and die. All right? And I, I just want to say this is something your flesh will say to you, right? This is something your flesh will do. Hey, don't I take care of you? I know I've enslaved you to all your desires, but don't you get what you want? Don't you like feeling this way? Don't you like this drug or this amount of sex or, or th this thing? Isn't it, don't you like it? Isn't it okay to be enslaved? You're okay, you're taken care of. Verse 13, and Moses said to the people, I love this, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which is at work for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. And then verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. And you only have to be silent. Can I paraphrase what Moses just said to them? Here's what he said. Sit down, shut your mouth, and watch what the Lord's about to do. Sit there, be quiet. Don't focus on the army. Don't focus on the sea. Look upward. Focus on the Lord and watch what the Lord will do for you. And in the very next verse in the text, God says, Moses, raise that staff. Moses raises his staff. The, the Red Sea parts. Huh, and they start walking across. And then Pharaoh's army thinks, well, we'll just... Walk in there with them, and the sea collapses on them, and they all die. Indeed, they never had to see them again. So, I was on my sabbatical. My flesh, I was crying out to God. And all I could see was, i got to go back to work. I'm not going to be able to write any sermons. Man, this house is a dump. It's a money pit. What have I done? And I, I actually had the same sentiment to God. Lord, you brought me out to Carroll County to die. <laughs> like, right? I don't have to die. There's no grave in hiring for me. To I'm going to die out here. And God said the same thing to me. Sit there. Shut your mouth. And watch what I can do. He said, stop seeing things in the flesh 
and see things in the spirit. Stop seeing all the problems and understand that I am the solution. And so immediately, my thoughts went to 2 Kings 6. 2 Kings 6, I'm going to just set up another little story before we part ways here. 2 Kings 6 has to do with a prophet named Elisha. Elisha was Israel's prophet, and he was giving away secrets uh, from enemy kings to Israel's king. And they had this one king that uh, God revealed everything that the king thought. It even said, even the thoughts he had in his bedroom, Elisha knew about. And so Israel's king was always one step ahead of this other king because Elisha was giving him information from, from God. So this king took offense to it and went on a hunt to hunt down Elisha the prophet. And he traveled with a, he had a servant that traveled with him. And the two of them find themselves in this town and the enemy has surrounded them. And that's where we're going to pick up in 2 Kings 6, verse 15. When the servant, this is Elisha's the prophet's servant, of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots were all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master! What shall we do? Can I paraphrase? Elijah, wake up. We're in trouble. Look around you. They found us. What are we going to do? <laughs> I love this. He, Elisha, said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So if I'm that, if I'm that guy, here's what I'm doing. I'm looking around. All right, it's me and it's you. I don't see anyone else around us. What are you talking about? Verse 17. Elisha prays for this man. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. He opened his eyes and he saw an angelic army that he didn't see before because he was seeing in the flesh, not the spirit. And that angelic army at Elijah's command opened up a can and blinded every single one of them and they went back to their king with their tails between their legs. And so right then and there, in that moment when God was like, sit here, be quiet, that became my prayer. I want, to, I want the prayer of Elisha's servant. God, remove the flesh and let me see. You see, I was in this battle and the flesh was winning. I was cornered. But I had forgotten. All I had to do was to cry out to the spirit of God who dwells inside of me. And that Holy Spirit came back with a counterpunch that opened my eyes to the beauty all around me. From that day forward, it was just a different picture. You remember how warm it was on Christmas Day? So I made this huge Christmas feast after I had my time with the Lord. And we have like a balcony, a second story porch. And we put a table out there. And the family ate around there. It was just this beautiful thing. And then the next night and the next night, it's like our dining room now. It's just, it's just awesome. And, and, and the Lord's just like, look, look around. Look at your family. Look at their faces. Look at their energy. 
And then I began to just see things that I didn't see before. My 16-year-old daughter and my 8-year-old daughter, you know, sisters, but very far apart in age, now have to share a room. And they're closer than they've ever been. And, and, and Reagan is, is just feeding into the life of little Hazel. And, and I hear them up there laughing and they're getting snacks together. And, and my daughter, for some reason, has got a warped mind and she's into Harry Potter, uh, Reagan. And, and now Hazel's into Harry Potter and they're binge watching. And they're, they're closer than they've ever been. And then I look around and I see my three sons who are not made for subdivisions. If we lived in a covenant subdivision, I would be fined and kicked out so many times over because they like to tear things down and build things up and shoot and fish and ride four-wheelers. And God said, look around. Look, look what they're doing. Look at their energy. Look how happy they are. The Lord said, look at your family. The Lord said, this is what you've been praying for. This is what you've been asking me to do. I heard you. I led you out here. Uh, and all you see are the obstacles because you're living in the flesh. So don't you forget my promise. The same promise I made to the Israelites, the same promise I make to you, and the same promise I make to all of my children. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. But you've got to remove the flesh to understand that. And so that's what this series is about. About you doing the same thing. Removing the flesh. Living in the spirit. About you surrendering control. About you trying to battle your flesh with your flesh. White knuckling your way through. It cannot be done. It's a series about the Holy Spirit of God that entered into your heart upon your salvation, raised your spirit to life, and now he will fight your flesh for you tooth and nail. But it all starts with surrender. Laying things down that we know we can't defeat on our own at the foot of, of the cross and surrendering ourselves to Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. If you'd like to learn more about Elevate or partner with us in what God is doing here, check out our website at elevatecc.com. Until next time, God bless you and thanks again.